Psalm chapter 1. There is no chapter, by the way, in Psalm. So Psalm 1. Psalm 1. And we're going to read verse 1 through 3. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. Verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted. Would you say planted? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season. Notice what the Bible says. Whose leaf also shall not wither. I want you to say this next line with me. Come on, say it out loud. And come on, whatever he does, he shall what? He shall what? And whatever he does, he shall prosper. I want to talk this morning from the message title, Blessed is the Man. All right? Blessed is the man. Uh, it's Father's Day, yes. Uh, traditionally, this would be men's weekend, yes. But blessed be the man. I know you have your mask on, but come on, repeat those words with me. Blessed is the man. I want to talk about staying connected in COVID-19 days. The blessings of staying connected. Staying connected, all right, uh, in the local church during COVID-19. One more time. Staying connected to the local church. Not the universal church. Not the online church. But I think there's something that God wants to do when you stay connected to his local church, particularly during COVID-19. Uh, I, I often open up messages, particularly on Father's Day, with messages like this, or, sir, or statements like this. On this Father's Day uh, 2020 weekend, if there's ever been a time uh, for needed fathers, now uh, is certainly the time. Please stay with me. If there's ever been a time for men to take, to take their rightful place in church, in home, in community, now is the time. I'm going to take my three objectives, and I'm just going to make them two objectives today for the sake of time. All right, number one, for the next 20 minutes, let me charge you. I want to charge every dad in the room. Charge every father in the room to be the man of God that God has called you to be. In fact, I want to charge every man, every person, every woman, every child to honor their father. And I know that's something we don't hear often in the church, but I believe as it was in the Old Testament, so it is in the New Testament that God has a special blessing for those who will honor their fathers, whether, whether it is your natural father, your spiritual father, or your heavenly father. Well, Pastor, I grew up in a home without a daddy. Well, God's going to raise up a surrogate father for you so you can one day learn the value of being mentored, being fathered, being surrogated. Somebody who can look back and say, someone made that difference in my life. For many of us in the African-American community, it was probably a football coach or a basketball coach or a volleyball coach, or someone who took time, who gave a touch, and gave a talk. And so on this Sunday morning, Father's Day 2020, Bible reminds us in Malachi 1 and 6 that a man honors, or excuse me, a son honors his father, a servant his master. Malachi wanted to know, he writes for the voice of God, if I am your father, God says, where is my honor? If I am your father, where is my honor? Objective number two, let me challenge every father in the room to accept the clarion call to be the man of God that God has called you to be. And that is through fathering your children in the way God fathers you. Let me say that again. 
This one is for the men, men who have children, men who one day may have children. I want to challenge you to accept the call of God on your life, to be the man of God by fathering your children like our heavenly father fathers you. And if there's ever been a time that we need to father our children, now is the time. We must help them make sense of a senseless society. We must help them reconcile the thing that they're seeing in the media, the things that are being talked about in the streets. We must help them understand the value and the importance of how to speak to those that are in authority. We're seeing too many senseless murders by the hands, the guns, and even the knees of bad, corrupt officers. We live in such a high, tense, powder keg world. Well, I don't know if there's a black man in America that's not scared to get pulled over by the police. We got to be dads who can speak to our sons. And this is not the time to flex. This is not a time to prove that you're just as big and bad as the officer. But this is a time to be smart and wise and live to live another day. I hate we have to have this conversation, but it's true. We need fathers today that can speak to their sons about how to honor those where honor is deserving. You see someone in the military, whether current or past, thank them for their service to our country. You see a man or a woman in blue, an officer, male or female, thank them for their service to our community. You see anyone who has had some type of path or some type of impact in your life, take some time one day to go back and say, I just want to come by the high school campus and just remind you, coach, I appreciate you. How you took me in when no one else would take me in. Someone said that if you ever see a turtle posted on top of a post in the middle of the field, one thing's for sure, that turtle didn't get there by itself. Somebody, graduates, has helped you earn the 4.0, the 3.6. Somebody helped you get to where you're at today as you now take the next journey in the chapter, the next chapter in the journey. You didn't arrive to where you're at today by yourself. I love the video. Thank you, Brother Di. Thank you, multimedia team. But I looked at that video and said, oh, boy, if that had been an African-American video, there'd have been some spankings, some whoopings, and some other beatings in that video. Because when I think about Dad, I don't, know about the, I don't know about the toothbrush. I don't know about the Band-Aid. When I think about Dad, I think about all of those times we had. And the Bible says, and we love them even the more for today. Can't get nobody to say Amen. I guess we live in a politically corrected charged world now. I can't even talk about disciplining kids without somebody wondering, am I in the Bible or not? That's a whole other message. Let me stay on target in the uh, 20 minutes that I have left, all right? Now, uh, so, so, so today, I want to encourage dads, just for a few moments, to be a father. I don't know if there's any greater honor. And I appreciate it today now in my life than I've ever appreciated before. I mean, I'll be 51 in September. And these last few years, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to get too deep in this, but my prayer and my talk with God is, God, thank you. I've had the cars, had the homes, seen the trips, had all of that. But the thing I think that really impacts me today more than anything else is what they taught me in South Africa years ago. They taught me three words, time, touch, and talk. And I think my kids were real little at that time. I maybe didn't appreciate it then like I appreciate it now, but the time we spend around the dinner table is so rewarding. The conversations we have, the laughter, sometimes the tears, it's so rewarding to see them spar and to sharpen one another. 
I think about my late spiritual father, Bishop Otis Lockett. And just yesterday in particular, I had a moment when I said, wow, he didn't get a chance to see all of the great accomplishments I'm sure his grown kids are doing now. And I said, God, if I don't live another day, if I don't live another day, I've seen my kids graduate from high school, college. I've seen some really great doors open for them. And I pray that they can say, I see mom and dad live the best of their lives for the rest of their lives. No shadow, no shade, no game, no tricks. But a man who loves his wife and a wife who loves her husband. It's one thing to see a glossy poster child of a perfect, seemingly family on Sunday mornings. But how many of y'all know behind closed doors is when the real deal is seen? Uh, where the real conversations are heard? Huh? And so dads, be good fathers. 17th century, uh, uh, George Herbert said this, one father is more than a hundred schoolmasters. One father, mother role is more than a hundred schoolmasters. I want to say something this morning, and I need to hurry up down the road. But Wednesday night, let me encourage you to stop what you're doing. Cut Facebook Live on and listen to the talk around the black man talk table. I won't have time today to deal with black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter. We'll, we'll, we'll jump deep into that this week, this, this Wednesday night. I really wish I could talk about some of the civil unrest, the peaceful protests, the looting and the rioting. I don't agree with the looting and the rioting in the streets. I also don't believe in the institutionalized looting and rioting that's been happening in D.C. and corporate uh, 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 companies for the last several hundred years. Yeah, we see the fires. We see the fire storms. We see the robbery and the thievery and all of the things with our eyes on TV and on the news. But there's been a whole lot of corporate theft in black America, or against black America. There's been a lot of systemic theft and looting in our communities for years. And so we want to give delicate balance to these type of conversations. I believe, yes, you should peacefully protest. I believe, yes, you march for justice, march for change. Yes, be a voice, have a vision, share your values. But I want you to stay covered in the church. Stay connected to the church. Be committed in the church. Now, I'm not ashamed to say as a pastor, go all over the world and make a difference, but stay connected to the house of God. If you cut the umbilical cord of feeding, of nourishment, of vision, and of values, and of the word of God, you will find yourselves out there like a satellite in space. And it's so important right now, we lead people back to the cross of Christ. I've said this for years, and I believe it's really needed now. We believe in standing and being active. Now, we're not activists, but we should be active. We should be monitors of our community. Talk to me, somebody. This is no time to be the proverbial ostrich with the head in the sand. We should be reflective theologians. What does that mean? Everything we hear and see now in the world, take it to the word of God and let's find it. Let's appropriate it. Let's apply it. Let's deal with it. Reflective theologians. We didn't realize we'd be in a season where we'd have to be high tech, but yet high touch. 
Thank God for the bells and whistles of internet and Facebook lives and Instagrams and YouTube. But if we fail to touch people with a phone call, with a visit, by serving, by helping, by praying, we failed our assignment. And so stay connected to the church. I was in prayer a few days ago and God spoke to my heart about some very concerning issues. And I'll be the first to say today that I do have some concern. I have some fear about this ongoing pandemic coupled with the civil unrest. It is one thing for a fury of disease and sickness to hit us on one side. But now in the black community, when you've got to be hit on another side of racism, injustices, they said months ago that you'd have to be careful of the mental uh, challenges and the mental disease and sicknesses that was coming after COVID-19. I'm kind of trying to figure out well, what does that mean now in July, coming July? You've got a COVID-19 and you've got a possible second wave and you've now got this unrest. You would have thought with one incident in, in, in Minnesota, Minneapolis, we kind of cool out and it'd be cool. But then now we got to deal with it in Atlanta, Georgia. Now we're going to get hangings in California. And there's this emboldening. I want to talk this morning so bad. I really want to talk this morning. There is this subtle underground, underpinning movement and undercurrent of an emboldenedness of a group that's saying we're rising up slowly but surely. My fear is that it's not just heritage, it's not just patriotism, it's not just nationalism. But I believe if we're not careful, we'll see a race war like we've not seen before. We'll see a civil war if we're not careful. Because I don't know how much we can take the abuse. Someone made a statement, you better be glad we're having peace or protesting and not retaliating. I'm not trying to start nothing today, I'm just saying. Better be glad that we just wanna, we want justice and not revenge. Cause y'all know we can be something else to deal with. I'm just, going, I'm just talking, I'm just talking. All right, I'm not gonna go too deep, I promise you. We'll talk about it Wednesday night, it's gonna be something. We're gonna lose some friends, I'm sure. Lose some colleagues, I'm sure, but I'm concerned. There are people today who are, who, who are fearing COVID-19. People who fear the future. I don't want to go back to church. I'm scared to come into a place even this large. But yet you go to parties, and you go to get-togethers, and you go to restaurants, and you go to Target and Walmart, standing in line, Chip, Chick-fil-A, Chipotle. Ain't nobody honoring social distance. Everybody at the pool. But yeah, you can't go to church. Be careful. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. Bible reminds us in Hebrews 10 verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another to love. Spur one another to good deeds. How am I going to spur you? You're not here. How are you going to spur me to good deeds and I'm not here? The writer of Hebrews goes on to say, let us not give up meeting together as some have already gotten the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. I know you can't shake nobody's hand. I'm so used to saying that, right? But just wave at somebody and say, neighbor, I need to encourage you. I just need to encourage you. But how are we going to encourage each other and you're not here? As you see, so much the more the day, capital D, look at the scripture, the day approaching. 
Now, let me say this to you. I hope we are not blind bats in a hailstorm. I want to say something to you. If you don't see the day approaching, who would have thought we'd have three, four, five days of being in the 50s in June? We're not in Toronto. We're not up in Montreal. We're here in the South. Who would have thought we are seeing some of the natural orders disturbed like we're seeing? While it's cool here, they say that Antarctica has experienced some of the warmest season it has ever had in history. My God, it seems like nature's crying out, change, and the day is approaching. I know some of you turn a deaf ear to this preaching because you just don't believe that we could literally be in a climatic, uh, kiss a climatic, kiss a climatic uh, you know what I'm trying to say, right? Um, <laughs> uh, we're in this era that is unprecedented, an era that very well could be the beginning of the beginning of the end of days. We don't believe that. We're too in love with this world, too in love with our comfort. But yet we read scripture after scripture after scripture as if it is a fairy tale. Now, are we in the end days? No. But could we be in the beginning of the end days? Could be. And what does the writer tell the church? He didn't tell the church to speak in tongues more. Didn't tell the church to have a praise party more. Didn't tell the church to go out there and, and, and do more humanitarian service. No, no. It says stick together. Encourage one another. Let me ask you a question real quick. Have you encouraged the saints this past week? Can you look back right now and remember where you have intentionally, purposely went out to strengthen, to affirm another believer? I didn't say borrow no money. I didn't say remind them of this meeting, of that huddle, of that Zoom. But are you conscious? Are you cognizant of encouraging one another as you see the day approaching? I got to keep moving real quick. Here's concern number two, comparison and competition. Let me tell you what good old Facebook Live is doing for us and all these slick websites and all these wonderful glossed productions. Used to be a time that Folk in the church couldn't read in the black community. Truth was that back in the slavery days, the preacher could read. The preacher had the text. You've seen the movie by Harriet Tubman. The preacher, the Nate Turners, had the text in the Bible, and they read the Bible. There were times when the preacher couldn't read. How do I know? He'd look back and say, read! That wasn't just a, a Kojic thing or a Pentecostal thing. Bad boy couldn't read. So he had somebody in the church who could read. Uh, I like to draw your attention to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9. Read! And somebody get to reading them scriptures. He'd preach some, and, and he'd look back again and say, all right, read some more. So, but, but now everybody can read. Everybody ought to be able to go to the Word of God. But now watch this. Everybody has a million churches every Sunday morning. You want a little T.D. Jakes? Hit that button. You want a little cat? You want a little uh, Joyce Myers? Hit that button. Uh, you want Benny Hinn? Hit that button. You want Michael Todd? Hit that button. You want this good? Hit that button. You want Lynch? Hit that button. And so now you got all of these mega multi-million dollar productions, all right, with a lot of that is a lot of sound bite and sermons that have been preached a million times, so they've got it polished to a science, and then you get your pastor. <laughs> uh, if he's online, because there was a time, there. I don't know if you remember this or not, but there was a time when Facebook was the devil. 
The internet was evil, wicked, and heathens. Now them same bishops, <laughs> them same apostles, them same evangelists, uh, they are, and listen, here's the sad thing. You know, when they overcompensate, they overcompensate. They just don't start a little Facebook ministry. They got cash at the biggest thing on the screen. We don't see the name of the preacher. We don't see the name of the church. All we see is cash out. I, I don't want to pick on my spirit field Pentecostal folk too much. Let me jump on the Baptist uh, elitist folk. So you got pastors right now. Watch this. You got law. Uh oh, uh oh, I'm meddling now. I'm meddling now. Watch this. You got some notarized, some, 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 some big time pastors who refuse to open their churches, not because of the fear of sickness and the, the spreading of COVID-19. They have realized they are making more money at home with their cash apps, uh, with their hearts and their thumbs ups and their following, they're making more money online, right, than they are in the building. But whatever happened to walk by faith? Yes, we want to reopen America. i like for some churches to reopen. Had a conversation with another leader this week and said, listen, it's simple. Just offer both options. Highly encourage people to come to church but highly encourage people to watch online, all right? And when people are ready, when they feel a little bit comfortable, they'll come back. But the competition and the comparisons, I like so-and-so because their music is better. Well, I like so-and-so because they business is longer. I like so-and-so because they actually have something to where you can enter out. And so now we have forgotten the core tenets of why we have church, why we come together, and we're competing and comparing. And this is why, unfortunately, we have the church hoppers. We have, oh, God, the church conference junkies, spiritual hitchhikers, convenience without commitment. You want to serve or be served, but you don't want to serve nobody else. That is the spirit of laziness in the church. Luke 10, 7 reminds us, stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Some of you are using this season to visit all type of churches, whether it's online or on campus. Jesus says, stay in the house where you're being fed. Now, if you hop from house to house, table to table, you will soon be malnutrition because of the multiple diets and, and feedings from various houses. You can't eat from everybody's house. Right? I'm not saying one is wrong and one is right, but they can be on two separate opposite ends of scripture and context, and here you are confused. Stay connected, men. Father, stay connected to the church. Let me give you my third uh, concern. Comfort and convenience of staying home and watching church online. Oh, boy. I know I ain't talking to nobody in this room, so let me talk to those that are online. <laughs> I understand pre condition illnesses stay home i understand those who doctors have given orders to stay home stay home those who are not quite sure physically you're ready whether you want to uh, uh receive covid19 or you may be a carrier or share covid19 come on y'all help me say stay home yeah right right okay so we're cool with that right but for the other 90 percent of you all who stay home Sitting in your onesies together, looking right silly on the couch. Got a box of popcorn. Everybody got onesies on. We're going to watch church. You don't watch church. You have church. 
And we have allowed the 28 and a half minute sound bites of the Cosby Show and Sanford and Son and Beverly Hillbillies and Starsky and Hutch and all of these shows to make us as if we're watching another TV program. Let me say it again for those who will mistwist or who twist what I just said. For those who are under the weather, who doctors have said stay home, stay home. For those who you are a little older now and you don't want to be born, stay home. We love you. Thank you for being online. But for the other 90% who can go everywhere else in the community, go everywhere else all week long, but come Sunday morning, <laughs> pray, ooh, let me, uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm just going to stay home and watch her. That ain't the will of God, my brother. No, it's not. No, 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 no. It's not. Amos 6, 1. Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. I know it's convenient. I know it's real comfortable. But there was something about going to church, particularly in the black community. It was something about putting a suit on, putting a dress on, wearing a hat for women, putting little gloves on for those who serve on the us's board. It was something about dignity and, and, and a godly proudness about coming to the house of God. Oh, we tired. We worked all week long. Saturday, we ran errands and cleaned the house. But Sunday morning has always been for me and my house time to come serve the Lord. Sing songs, hear the word of the Lord, hug and love and fellowship with my brothers and sisters I hadn't seen all week. It was a time to leave out with a charge and a mission to impact and influence the world. But now we have reduced this to watching a slick, quick, polished online service at the expense of fellowshipping with one another. It will lead to isolation, inaccessibility, and independence. I'm almost finished. I'm missing many of you all on Thursday nights. You cannot be a leader in this church. You cannot be on payroll. You cannot call yourselves an example. And you notoriously don't come to church on Thursday nights. We're not connected. We're not yoked. I'm a hypocrite. If I can look at the Black Lives Matter movement, look at folk in the street and tell them, be not unequally yoked, when in my own church, we're not in agreement. We're not yoked. And sometimes people have the nerve to say, I just don't feel connected no more. I just don't feel loved no more. I just don't feel like I'm being fed. But nine out of ten, nine, no, forget that, ten out of ten times you're not being fed because you're not coming to the table to eat. All right? Well, he ain't the best preacher in the world. It don't have to be about me and my preaching. It does have to be as God speaking. I believe that this church has some of the most gifted preachers and teachers, male and female. We have some of the leading psalmists. You may not agree with that because you don't see all these big this and big that and personality-driven names. But when it comes to touching heaven, when it comes to ushering the move of God, I'm talking right today. And this is not being arrogant or nasty or insensitive. We are blessed to have the people and the leaders and the laborers in this church and, 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 and on a shoestring budget. With the challenges, I'm, I, I better go deep. Let me go a little deeper here. 
I just kind of want to know, where are you on Thursday nights? Not everybody's flying a plane. Not everybody's having brain surgery. Not everybody's busy talking to the president or the mayor or the governor. Why are you so above you can't log in? I mean, it's only an hour. Less than that, we spend 15 minutes in powerful prayer. I mean, we do still believe in prayer. We need prayer. We do pray, right? And then we come on with a word. Come on, talk to me. I don't know a preacher in this church that's going to give you a watered-down, drives-a-doorknob message, male or female, young or old. But why are you so busy you can't even log in? This has been the most opportunistic time to see people hear the word in your home these last 110 days. This has been the most opportunistic time for the world to hear the gospel. But you know what to be found? You can't be that busy. We had archives on YouTube. The past I work on Thursday nights, I'm, I'm in a position where I just cannot be online. Watch, no problem. Have you, have you gone to the YouTube channel and downloaded the message from last week so you can stay in fellowship, stay in sync? I'm going somewhere. This is not a rebuke. This is not an argument. I'm not fussing. But I want to encourage you to be connected. If there's ever been a time to be covered to be committed and be connected, now is the time. Please hear me. Please hear me. I've, I've self-rehearsed this question all week, and I'm going to let it out right now. Some people might want to know, what do you have with black folk going to white churches? I've come to the realization and the conclusion, I have no problem with African Americans being a part of a white church. I really don't. As long as you don't think you have died and went to heaven and you are better than being at a black church. Okay? You've heard a lot of people recently talk about white silence and white privilege. I believe the Holy Ghost told me that if there's white privilege, there's black privilege. I said, what do you mean, Holy Ghost? Well, black privilege is black elitism privilege. You're too good for an HBCU. Somewhere in your mind, a black teacher... Excuse me, a white professor is going to be better than a black professor. Some of my greatest professors, and I've been to Duke, but no RU, could have went to Princeton, applied to Harvard, but uh, uh, I didn't apply, but I, I sought, sought, I should say, I sought deeply, emailed Yale and all these Ivy League schools. These are great schools. I believe they are. Wonderful school. But my greatest impact came from HBCU professors. Look, they might have had half the class notes in their raggedy briefcase, right? But man, I've seen students weep and cry in the middle of a political science class because the professor got all, all in their business in front of everybody. I've seen professors get almost jumped on because of the tense and the, and the, the conversations in the classroom. We want to do business with each other as black folk. We feel like we're going to get overcharged and underserved. So we'll take our something somewhere else. Y'all not talking to me. Y'all not listening to me. When it comes to this, what I call black elitism, black uh, uh, privilege, all of a sudden in the black church, you could sing, you could preach, you could be an usher, you could be a, a trustee, a deacon, an elder, right? You could put a suit on and be respected. You could dress up and be somebody we'd recognize when you graduate. We'd honor you when you, you, you had great things happening in your life. Somebody gets sick, we're quick to the hospital. 
Somebody died. We're immediately on the phone trying to figure out to sit with the family so we can get the burial arrangements in place. We made phone calls to the funeral home. They ain't got the money, but I'm good for helping out. Somebody's son go to jail in the middle of the night. The preacher gets the phone call. Youth pastor gets the phone call. Within an hour and a half, somebody's there. But yeah, but we're not good enough. You get a little degree, get a little education, and now all these one-step songs we sing in the Pentecostal church, too simple for you. You want something that reminds you of an orchestra, something with all these exotic instruments that make you feel heavenly and feel white and feel like you've arrived. But I want to know what was all that when you was drunk and somebody had to get your behind out of some crack house. I want to know what was that when the devil, the devil, I'm talking about the devil, had to get cast out of your child. Huh? We get a little money. We get a little title. We get a little position. And all of a sudden, we too good for ribbon so-and-so and so-and-so Baptist church. Now, we got to go across town. G. Carter Woodson said the white man's ice is not colder than the black man's ice. Ice is ice. Cold is cold. But in our mindset, now you have the raw parsley's. And that ain't nothing. He's just a spokesperson. He's just one on the national level. For every one rod posse, trust me, there's a thousand others who say, give me a black B3 organist, give me a couple of great ushers, give me a wonderful half of a deacon, and we'll, we'll build a church. I'm talking right. But that black man can't marry your daughter. That's not going to happen. You're not going to put her on the trustee board. And you know they're not going to make the night deposits uh, with the tithing offerings. I just lost some friends online, I see. I'm just telling you the truth. We have gotten so to a point where for 450 years, the black church has survived slavery, Jim Crow days, civil rights movements, black plague, swine flu, COVID-19, the Great Depression, this recent recession, all of that stuff has come and gone. The banks got bailed out. The airlines got bailed out. But did no black church get bailed out? But yet we're still here. We're still moving. We're still pressing. We done been the church splits, white biasness, black privilege. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell. Somebody clap their hands for the African-American church unashamedly, without embarrassment. I thank God for the white members we've had and have today. I honor them for their integrity, their, their leadership. Because the truth be told, and I'm not picking at you, Pastor Tim, but you from West Virginia. And I think about Bishop T.D. Jakes. The man can move from West Virginia, go to Texas, have 30, 40, thousand members, preachers all over the world, and still got less than 1% of whites in his church. I want to know why. You got an Ivy Hilliard in Houston with 50,000 members. Creflo Dollars. Bill Winston's. And I just kind of want to know. We start on time. We don't have church four or five hours a day. We don't have eight offerings. We ain't sitting here using the N-word and clowning each other. But yet we're still not good enough for your membership. And oftentimes, white folk come to black churches for three reasons. Number one, they run out of office. Number two, they got to be part of somebody's alcohol or drug program. Right? I forgot the third reason, but stay with me. It'll come to me in a moment. I'm having a 
51-year-old almost woman. I said last Sunday, who's ministering to the, to the blended couples? Who's ministering to the mixed couples in our society? She's white, he's black. He's black, she's white. Where can they go right now and not feel like all eyes on them in the restaurant? And so I'm all for multinational ministry. I'm all for multi-ethnic ministries. But may it be the same when the man and the wife is African-American. In my opinion, the darker the better. You wonder why they're marching in London, Paris, Brussels, Amsterdam? Because this is a race color issue that is not just about the skin, but it's about the sin. And the sin of racism, the sin of biasness, the sin of, 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 of elitism, 